Meanwhile, at Manage Comics, coming to you from a secret underground lair, these dedicated heroes discuss the business of comics, industry news, comic book retail issues, and the latest developments from Manage Comics. They are promoters of comics, champions of small business, and four-color heroes. They are the Manage Comics Team. Welcome to Meanwhile at Manage Comics. This is our brand new podcast and weekly video stream. That's right, weekly. So the thought stream is officially dead. Uh, meanwhile is now what's new and what's hot. Um, meanwhile has a lot of meaning for me personally. Uh, so if you'll remember back in the 80s, there were the Meanwhile columns that, that TC put out. And what I loved about this as a reader was this was always kind of behind the scenes stuff. And I've always kind of loved the behind the scenes about comics, the business of comics. So meanwhile is going to be more focused on the business of comics. So folks at challengers, I apologize. I'm totally stealing your, your bit. Um, and, you know, meanwhile also comes from the super friends. So uh, one of the first voices that I learned to mimic when I was a kid was Ted Knight who voiced over all the super friends things like meanwhile at the hall of justice and meanwhile deep in an underground lair um i love that stuff so i i learned how to do that and uh yeah so it, it's kind of a combination of the two it's it's a little bit of dc's meanwhile stuff i mean if you look at the logo i straight up ripped it off i'm pretty sure the copyright's expired on that by now um but it's also going to be you know, about the business of comics. And speaking of the business of comics, um, I got my my data guy, my, what is it? What is it? Fact, factum? Factotum. Factotum. Uh, Ivan With Wine. his trusty factotum. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the data mines. Um, and that's going to bring us off to our first segment. So we're going to do multiple segments. Uh, we'll talk about the data and, uh, you know, the, what goes on in the data mines. It's dark. It's grungy and somebody's bound to get hurt um we're going to talk about industry news the we'll OSHA talk violations. about what's up with managed comics and then we're going to finish things off with uh next time on meanwhile so um ivan let's uh let's talk about some of the fun things that we've been struggling with lately oh what do you mean like uh where a and B covers cease to have any meaning when it comes to barcodes? Yeah, let's talk about barcodes. So oh, barcodes they, are they, a very oh, interesting... So you get the graphic all lined up and ready to go. Yeah, that's right. Barcodes are a really interesting thing with comics um, in that there are the first, the, the first what is this, like 10, 11 digits? Um, these all mean things. So the first little chunk here, uh, 761941, that represents the company. And in this case, I'm pretty sure this is DC Comics. 34373, uh, three, three, that would be a series identifier. Um, so all Batman titles will have the same series identifier. Um, all one-shots will have the same series identifier. So even if we've got five covers of a one-shot, they'll all share the same series identifier. And then these last five supplemental digits, Diamond introduced this in 2009, and they were really good about militantly kind of policing this. And they said that if you create a comic book series 
you cannot distribute through diamond without this supplemental five codes. Um, so the first three digits represent a series, or sorry, an issue, issue. In this case, this is Detective Comics 1027. So we omit the first one because a thousand comics in 2009 didn't exist. So uh, in, in a series. Um, so yeah, we have uh, 1027, so it's 027. And then we have a one, which represents the cover ID. So a one is an A cover, a two is a B cover, a three is a C cover, et cetera, et cetera. And then the final number is a printing. So one is a first printing, two is second, all the way up to nine. Neither one of these guys have a zero. There's no zero identifier. Um, although technically there's no reason why you couldn't do a zero for the fourth ID to represent 10 covers. So that brings us to what do we do when we have 41 covers of Eternals number one? I always pick on Eternals because it's the only one that I remember the exact number of covers of. So oh, what do we do when we have 40 some uh, Vampirilla or, or uh, Betty Page runs the risk of running into the... Okay, but we're going to talk separately about what Boom and Dynamite do, which actually I think is really clever. And in today's market might be the thing that we recommend all publishers move towards. You said smiling. <laughs> as long as it's standard, that's all I care about. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. As long as everyone does it. Well, we're us, we too. We're going to do our own thing. You guys, you do your thing, and we'll all do them separately. And that yeah. way it's nice and unified. And that, that's what I love about like legacy numbering. When they say Amazing Spider-Man is going back to legacy numbering, they don't change that 34373. They just change the number that's at the end. So, you know, Amazing Spider-Man goes back to legacy numbering. Still part of the same series code. So uh, it's not really going back to legacy numbering. They're just showing something on the on the cover. But what's interesting is when Diamond um, starts announcing things as a cover, or sorry, DC announces a cover A, B, or a C. And in this case, we see a D. And really quickly, the reason that's important is because the A, B, and typically C but more more importantly, the A and B are not ratio covers. Correct. Very, they shouldn't very, be. Very rarely are they ratio right. covers. Yeah. Uh, but you, that's not necessarily true with a C sometimes and D and on. Right. And we only so we only allow subscriptions for A and B, which is where the problem comes in. Right, exactly. And so one of the things that I've I've talked to Adam Freeman at um, Bad Idea. And he says, you know, Brian, the data issues are your problem. They're not publishers' problems. They're they're purely your problem. You have to figure that out. And to that, I say, okay, my job, my only job, my core job, the thing that gets me up in the morning is selling more comics. I want to sell more comics. And I know a few things about human beings. And one of them, besides them being a cowardly and superstitious uh Lot, lot is that they're also lazy humanity as a whole is an ambitious thing but a person is a terribly lazy creature well i mean I, I i could get into the whole my whole like neurological thing on laziness and how it's a requirement and not a fault but well and yeah but but the big thing is the like, result's the same yeah uh, Paying attention to small details for ex extended amounts of time 
is not something that we're good at because it's not something that's ever kept us warm and fed in in our millions of years of history. Well, sorry, two thousand years history. Yeah, and and the thing about um, the thing about comics is that I feel like a lot of publishers cater to the twenty percent and forget about the eighty percent. So the eighty percent just want comics, and they don't they don't care, and they they always want to get the A cover or the cover by their favorite artist. You know, that might be the, the, like, I want the Peach Momoko cover of everything. But it's when we get into these, like, you know, okay, this month the B cover is going to be the cardstock cover because there are people that are just like, you know what? I really like DC's cardstock covers. They're, they're just I nicer. had two customers who only wanted the cardstock of all the DC titles that they subscribed to. Absolutely. That's all they cared about. And that's, and that's such a simple thing. DC has always made those B covers. Mm-hmm. Except last month, the B covers were all um, what is that called? The the overlay covers. The, it's not the cellophane, but yeah, that's the word yeah. I wanted to use too. But anyway, they were the the celluloid overlay color, cover things. Yeah. Um, and then the C covers were the cardstock covers. Now, who do you think screwed that up? Is it the customer that says I always want a cardstock cover, or is it the retailer who now has to go into like? you know, 20 different customers and say, oh, for this month, they want the C cover, but normally they want the B cover. Yeah, I mean, um, my shop was small enough that, yeah, I would have caught that if I, if I was doing the ordering, but what if I was sick and one of my employees was doing the ordering and didn't know that, oh, James wants all the card stock, so I need to change that to a C cover. Exactly. So that's why I think that consistency is really important. And when DC says something like this one with a six at the end is the cover D like, I'm sorry, that's just a cover D cosplaying. It's, it's a cover C D F it's a cover F cosplaying as a cover D. So your cover F is actually this one that you've called cover D your cover E is actually the cover G. Yeah. E should have sequence number four. Correct. Yeah. That's, I, I, have, I have it all mapped out in a notebook that I keep <laughs> next to my desk. And then, of course, when we get over 10, now we're having to hijack the printing. So this this presupposes that there will never be a third printing of this uh, title, which I think you should probably always start this at a five. I think you're pretty safe to assume that there's not going to be more than a fifth printing of, of uh, a comic these days. I know there are exceptions to the rules. Like, I think... It's not often you have a stray dog's type. No, I was just thinking about uh, 8 Billion Genies, which I think is in its eighth printing or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty darn rare. So if you were to start that at five, I think you're pretty safe. Um, but now you're presupposing that the third the, the third printings will have to have a four after them, I guess, um, which just confuses this whole numbering system. And at some point, like, why do we even have it? Now, you mentioned Boom and Dynamite. Um, they actually do something a little bit clever where they say these first two numbers are going to represent the issue because we're probably never going to have a series go over 99 issues. And then these next two numbers are going to represent the variant because we are often going to have more than 10 variants. I think that's awesome. I think Marvel should do that, to be honest. Um, I mean, with the number of of variants that they routinely put out, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then whenever they... Number one variants they did back three years ago. Yeah, it was an obscene amount. 
when they go over um, 99 issues, they would just start a new series. And to be honest, I can't think of a series in the last 10 years that Marvel has lasted longer than, uh, than like, you know, 99 issues. Yeah, they seem to be going in a completely different direction now with the way they number their series anyway. So Yeah, and they're relaunching every six months to, to eight months, which, to be totally honest, I think that's fine. And we've actually built systems in so that stores can really easily subscribe their previous subscribers to the new series so they don't lose anything because a lot of people don't think that a jumping on point is also a jumping off point um uncanny x-men is the one that i always use i bought uncanny x-men from issue 161 i bought uncanny x-men in years that i did not read an uncanny x-men and i just purchased it all the time and they canceled uncanny x-men in like i want to say 2014 2015 and i've never bought an uncanny x-men since because my run is done <laughs> actually i sold my run after that too um but yeah like so a, a jumping on point can be a jumping off point too so you got to keep that in mind um but again we have tools in our system to help sell more comics and that means if subscribers were subscribed to uncanny x-men when the new uncanny x-men comes out it's really simple for a store to clone them into that. Um, so yeah, that's that's really all I want to say about you know this nonsense. And I hope that I'm going to Comics Pro, and this is a big one that I'm going to bring up that we need to get get this under control um, because customers' expectation of what a D cover is is going to be very different than what the UPC is indicating a D cover is. And is and to be clear, and I think it's pretty obvious, but it, it should be said this here, this is a publisher issue alone, right here. Because yep. they assign those. This is completely separate from a distributor putting the item code for B cover of issue two as the A cover of issue Yeah, absolutely. Two. Like the the actual publisher determines what the UPC code is. So my theory is in all the changeover that's happened in the last five years. The people that used to kind of be the traffic cops for that kind of thing are no longer at the companies. And so that's why we're starting to see this kind of stuff happen more and more. So this needs to be one of those policies that just gets ingrained into the company and in the company culture. Yeah. It needs to be um, part, of the, part of the style guide, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to add a reprint indicator to manage comics. Now, what's great is Lunar has been giving us reprint um data in their actual lunar file so they'll tell us if something is a you know second or a third printing um so it says you know printing one through whatever um which is great so we'll we'll definitely be adding that which should mitigate some of the problems we're having with um in the past nobody has ever um included a series code in a second printing and now everybody is so Second printings are showing up in our uh, in our cool. stuff, and and we can fix that fairly easy. And then getting back to our data, we're also going to assign the um, second series of little numbers there, three four three seven three, to our series code. So within Manage Comics and Geek Fetch, we have our own series codes that we've created based off the different publishers' codes. We're also going to compare those to the UPC barcode series code to make sure that we are always getting everything uh, absolutely right. With the idea of eventually the UPC code being king. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's our goal is that eventually I want the UPC, whatever's on the UPC is the verbatim, you know, data. The, that the we... item that we cannot change the facts of after it's been printed. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of our data mine stuff for the week. There Were there any, what were the fun data challenges of the week? Uh, just finding out that there was a chunk of stuff that, was sent our way that had no sequence numbers at all. Oh, I've got more for you. Uh, there, there was a bunch of those. Um, hopefully, we, we're going to have that tool set in place soon where I can hit a button and just be given a list of all of those. Yeah. And then got, all the... what's what, Was it Wildcats? Sort of the W. There's a Marvel title that started with a W where they just decided to just... You know what? Screw convention. We're just going to use whatever numbers we want for whatever for the covers. That was fun. Well, they they've been doing that a lot lately. So like I've noticed a lot of B covers are now um ratioed variants with Marvel. But this wasn't so, even that. It's like cover cover E, oh, we're gonna give that a, a cover uh G uh sequence number, and who cares? And it's nice. just all down the entire line of that one. It's like great, thanks. That's great. Um well let's let's talk some industry news. All right. Let's see if I can uh, share my screen and we'll talk a couple of fun little industry. Why Why can't it just be nice? There we go. So let's talk. Um, we'll start out with the beat. Whatever happened to the sales charts? So sales charts used to be a big thing and you would know kind of what the number one seller was. But now that there are multiple distributors and um, multiple, you know, ways that, that these numbers can get in um, Luna, for example, doesn't provide sales numbers anymore. Um, so right now, all the Comicron sales numbers that have been created lately uh, are based off of, 100, 150 stores that use Comic Hub. Um, and a kind of a, a tea leaf reading of the diamond charts. Um, and I think that's giving just kind of weird, weird data. And so none of this stuff really gets um, published super well. And what that also means is there's, there's a bit of FOMO that's lacking. So used to be that people would know, okay, um, you know, Batman's the number one selling book. Uh, I, I like to pick on it, but 8 billion genies um, sold as much as the, the third highest Marvel book, let's say, uh, last month. So suddenly that would cause people to go, oh, what is 8 billion genies? So it, it was just another kind of tool that was used to, uh, to sell comics. What did you think about sales charts? Well, exactly like you, like you said, uh, the, the other problem is that I brought up yesterday when we were talking what is there's already that that three week FOC gap. Yep. And so if you're ordering books for your shop, if you have a small shop, especially especially during the pandemic where you can't really afford to put a whole bunch of shelf copies up and have them costing you rent, uh, you don't know if something's going to be hot and you you have to maybe the, the people reading it aren't going to pick up onto it until issue four and that's you've already placed your orders say they come in they want issues one and two and you ordered uh 10 of issue one and you ordered 
five of issue two because no one signed up for it. And then like, well, where's the books? It's like, you know, we don't have them. We can't order them. And so yeah, they, they, I they think that's getting even worse because they get the, the trade and that. Okay, yeah. Because now it's like a four or five week. Yeah. And, and often you're getting like, especially with Marvel stuff, you're ordering the third and fourth issue before you've even had like, you know, a week's worth of sales on, on issue one. Never mind the Fortnite stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The other problem with that, uh, and I, this might not even be the same discussion. So, uh, sorry if I'm taking the sideways, but what you're mentioning about the, the, uh, catering to the, the 20% when new customers come in, parents come in wanting to get books, they completely get flustered and mad and w never show up again when they find out, well, I came in, I ordered this issue before it came out. What do you mean? I have to wait a month and a half for the reprint. Yeah. There's no other, I, like I, I, I ordered this. I came in, it's coming out next week. I ordered it today. Why can't I get it? Yeah. Yeah, the um, so there, Heidi did a couple articles. She did one called "Whatever Happened to the Comic Sales Charts," and then she did another one that was called "More About Sales Charts." And on that one, she mentioned that was the one from the the uh, podcast. Sorry, what's that? Was that the one where uh, she went to the podcast? No, that's a whole other thing. Oh, um, yeah, that great. that was a good one too. Um, but she just mentioned that a lot of people tweeted like. Uh, Scott Snyder had said, I miss the sales charts, both because because they could be aspirational and because they were part of a more central conversation. It felt like we were having all having about sales and excitement and energy and all of it in comics. And it feels very detached now. And I totally agree. I feel like I feel like there's a lot less urgency and excitement about upcoming comic projects because the the one thing that kind of has always bothered me about the way that we do comic solicitations is this week, um, the new solicitations are going to start dropping. Um, that data will not be available to us until Friday at the earliest. And by the time we massage it and make it all work properly, we're probably not going to get it up till Monday. You know, we, we might be confident enough with it over the weekend to release it. Um, the previews catalog and lunar catalog and everything drop into stores on next Wednesday. Um, so now we're we're not only three months ahead of the products coming out, but we're a week before the catalog being released to a store where the store can start promoting those items. And then this whole cycle is going to begin again in three weeks. And meanwhile, products are arriving in stores three months later with little or no promotion. Um, and by then it's too late anyway, because everybody has set their final numbers three weeks ahead of the product being distributed. So if these numbers started to get out earlier and people could see, you know, sales velocity or purchase velocity before books even come out, you're going to sell more comics. Like again, our goal at Manage Comics, let me be perfectly clear, is to sell more comics for comic stores. And the only thing comic publishers should be interesting, interested in is selling more comics like that's your that's number one talk. goal i mean oh okay it's creating new ip that you can monetize into movies but then your number two goal should be selling more products right so anything we can do that serves the master of selling more comics we should do as an industry and this is something i'm gonna i'm gonna really champion at comics pro um i think numbers need to get out there 
I would like to actually start aggregating our numbers and knowing what people are ordering through managed comics because we have all that information. We won't say that, you know, Bob's Comic Burgers in uh, Plainsview is ordering 25 copies of Batman, but knowing that Batman is the number Having one. Having a heat map, comic. though, can't hurt. What's that? Having a heat map can't hurt. You know, yeah. I talked to. Um, Travis, I think his name is at source point. And he said that publishers knowing where like geographically where things were hot would help them to plan out things like comic conventions. And it may help them go to places they've never been before because they see that being in places actually moves the needle and it may help them say, you know what? Michigan is oversaturated right now. I don't know. Need to go to the, like, I think there's three or four different Michigan comic conventions. Do I need to go to all of them or should I be, you know, going to Ohio and kind of the, the places surrounding Michigan? Um, I think that's super valuable. And, and I think that geographic representation would be huge. But that's something I think you'd need a lot of buy-in by individual stores. Overall aggregate numbers are big enough that you don't have to get individual buy-in saying, is it okay if we use aggregate numbers because they don't mean anything if one store drops out or, you know, a hundred stores drop out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to explore that with managed comics and I'd like to get, I've started some conversations with Heidi around how we can get those uh, numbers to her and, and how they can be meaningful. Um, moving on comic store market shares so uh again going back to the oh no i need to what what do i have to do oh i gotta push this button <laughs> sorry it's been a month since i've used Streamyard. i forgot how to use all the tools um meanwhile yeah meanwhile it's been a month um so yeah there there were uh the Overall market share data came out through ICV2. Um, ICV2, if you're a comic shop and you're not buying their pro, paying for their pro um, channel, which I think is like 20 bucks a year, like it's it's very inexpensive. Definitely should be because I, I feel like just for the the work they do on sales data, it's well worth it. Um, I've talked to Milton and I'd like to get him some numbers as well. Uh, so we're we're definitely going to try and figure out how to get uh, more information because if you know you could increase this from the hundred and hundred to hundred and fifty stores that Comic Hub has, and then so it says here there were over a hundred stores using Comic Hub system. Um, right now we have a hundred and basically one hundred and twenty using um, two point and another sixty or so using Classic. So we can augment that data or we can just, you know, give them our own data and they can figure out how to slice and dice it. But yeah, for sure, um, I think anything like together, we would have a good 10% of the market uh, covered and, and we've got aggressive plans to get to 300 stores this year um, and, you know, keep on growing from there. So we can definitely provide some good numbers. And it's always interesting to see, you know, Marvel's at 34%, DC's 27 Image and Boom. Um, Dark Horse is really kind of moving up, I feel. And they've done a lot of things like the Kevin Smith uh, line. And they've got, um, you know, Scott Snyder doing the, what's that called? We Have Demons or something like that. Or We Are Demons or We 
Have you have you read that, Ivan? I've not. Uh, it 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 popped up on my radar, and then uh, I've been so busy that that's right in your wheelhouse, man. It Scott, is. No, it absolutely Miller, is. Greg, uh, hello, things demons that I need to catch up on. Um. Yeah. So so these these are interesting, and we'll include this in our um, show notes so that you can go and check out the ICV two comic market shares. Um, so speaking of comics, are you reading anything interesting lately? Um, well, due to a, a, a beat article, I, I ended up reading, uh, was it Face? I was just telling you about that earlier. Today. Oh, yeah. Uh, by, uh, Peter Milligan and Duncan Figredo. It Man, the, the classic Vertigo stuff from the 90s. I forgot. Yeah, they're how like good a, it was and how good the covers were. They're the like cover a, art of all the Vertigo team, stuff was so amazing. Yeah, for sure. They were the Hellblazer team, right? Um, man, you're 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 embarrassing me now. You're calling me out. Uh, <laughs> I know they did Enigma, which I was right. not a reader of. Um, I just found out about it on that list, so it's going to be something I might look into. Uh, yeah, there's just so many great. Books. I didn't buy a lot in the mid to late 90s because I was a poor college student. Um, I read a few issues of my buddy's preacher, and I remember like one one issue in particular stuck with me to the point where, like seven years later, I bought the entire trade collection within about a month. That's awesome. I would I would get one, I'd read it, and the next day I'd buy volume two and then volume three. Uh, yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, it, it was it was it was the uh, pre pre Netflix binging type of thing. That's and awesome. it was amazing and beautiful. I loved it. I'm trying to remember what I'm reading right now that I'm actually really enjoying. There's there's Nightwing. Every month is is amazing. Um, I've said first superhero comic book I've subscribed to in uh, over 20 years. Uh, Do a power bomb just wrapped up, and I've only read the first two issues, but I've got all seven. I just gotta get through and read them. Um, eight billion genies, which I love. I read that every month when it comes out. Like literally, that's that's the thing that inspires me to go to the comic store every time an issue comes out. Um, and I get my email through Managed Comics that says my issue has arrived at LA Moods. So I hop in my car and go for a Starbucks run. Um, I I just got, and you can see them right behind me, uh, right there. I got the second volume of Who's Who, which is like my favorite DC thing from the the eighties. And then the Grant Morrison Multiversity, Absolute Multiversity came out. And I picked up my copy in uh, Toronto from my buddy Pete. Man, I love that series. I oh, That's one of my favorite comics of all time. And uh, Jeff at the Comics Place keeps on threatening to do a, a podcast about um, multiversity and, and, you know, the, the breakdown. Grant Morrison has his... Substack newsletter, I forget what it's called, but he does annotations of the multiversity issues. They're so great. Well, I figure we haven't done this for, for a, a, over a month. But one thing I did recently read was Friday by uh, Ed Brubaker, and I gotta say, it is painful that it's released once a year in December. And oh, yeah, you have to wait an entire year for that. Like, and it, it 
the first one, and there's only been two so far. So, but they they drop with this cliffhanger, like like old serial Flash Gordon cliffhanger. Oh my god, I gotta wait a well months <laughs> read it in like thirty minutes, and then it's an entire year. But and it it went in a completely direction I was not expecting at all, which made it all the better. And I can't say anything about it because I want to run it. But it's it's pretty cool. You got this um, kind of uh, uh, encyclopedia Brown character trying to solve a mystery, and his his pal. And I, I yeah, like I said, you should you should look at, look into it. It's it's really 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 good, and it's painful that they make you wait as long as they do. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, hey. Let's real quick, because we're, we're kind of running long. I wanted to try and keep these around 30 minutes, and we're just a little bit over. But um, just wanted to talk really briefly about what's coming up for Managed Comics. Um, so we have – I've got to update the roadmap because it's so far out of date now. Um, but, yeah, I've been kind of maintaining things with Taras in the background. We've got a initial – You knocked a lot of stuff out, too, in the last just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So there, we've got an initial order thing that I keep on kind of pulling off because we got it really, really far. And then what we found was um, there's a lot of things that Shopify won't allow us to do. Um, so we are still figuring out exactly how we're going to get the data in that we need. Um, but in the meantime, um, we did a whole bunch of kind of quality of life things. So uh, things like making sure that multiple distributions um, don't break when something is not offered again. Uh, unapproved items that were showing up in lists, even though they're not approved, so they're not getting pulled. So that was confusing people. Um, printing out customer lists and printing out the pull lists. So I actually created print styles for both those things. Um, there was an error sometimes when you turn something from pulled state to build, it gives an error. Um, so we went and fixed that. And actually, I, I apparently have the uh, the new resolution to QA right now. Um, and then we're working on a whole bunch of little things around FOCs and uh, improving some of that data challenges we, we talked about. We've got a whole project to do our own version of series codes so that we can map those against the existing series codes and make sure everything makes sense. So when the publisher decides midway through to change the publisher code for a title? Yeah, exactly. Won't yeah. The then we can just append it to the existing series code. Um, yeah, because there... Well, I mean, honestly, what, what brought this about was... Um, DC's one-shots, they keep on using different series codes to identify the, the one-shot. So um, what was it called? L the first Lazarus Pit story. No, no, no. It was Shadow War. They were using the Robin series code for. Yeah. Um, because internally, DC has family codes. And Lunar has been using those family codes to create series codes. So we um, have our own way of creating our own series codes from now on, which will mean we'll be able to tie 
um, all of the one shots together. Um, because right now we can't do that. And you'll notice that one shots have like their own grouping of ridiculousness. So yeah, we're going to get all that stuff sorted out really soon. Um, yeah, it's a lot of data stuff that we're working on and then that stuff will flow right through to the front end. But, um, by the end of this week, I'll have our roadmap updated. Taras and I are getting together for a full day on Thursday and we're going to basically map out our next, uh, couple months worth of projects. We've got full-time developer and a full-time special projects person working now. So things are going to happen a lot faster. And it's actually, um, I'm scrambling to kind of keep stories fully spec'd out so that our developer can work on the actual project. So, I mean, that's a good story. Um, yeah. So next time, next time we talk, uh, it'll be new catalogs. So we'll definitely go through the catalogs and talk about what is interesting in them. Well, I'm sure we'll come up with a thousand data issues that we can't add. Um, there's been a, a few like 2023 um, kind of year in preview stories. And, and I'd love to talk about those. There was a really good article with James Tinian at sketch.com. Uh, and they did a really good article on where co comics are possibly going in 2023. So I'd love to talk about those next time we get together. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But in the meantime, and in between times, keep selling comics. And uh, we will talk to you in one week's time. Or sooner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, folks. That is Meanwhile with Managed Comics Episode 1. Meanwhile, at Manage Comics, coming to you from a secret underground lair, these dedicated heroes discuss the business of comics, industry news, comic book retail issues, and the latest developments from Manage Comics. They are promoters of comics, champions of small business, and four-color heroes. They are the Manage Comics team.